I wonder, if God gave you an apparently random set of instructions that were easy enough to follow, but you had no idea why you were being asked to do them, would you obey? Would you resolutely do what God had said even though you didn't understand? Or would you ask questions and wonder and think and play with what God had said? This question cuts to the heart of today's story because, although a story in two parts, both parts come down to the same question. Do you believe what God has said to the point where you'll obey him, no matter what? After the death of King Solomon, the kingdom of Israel split into two kingdoms. What was still called Israel to the north was the bigger kingdom, and what ended up being called Judah to the south had Jerusalem and its temple in its territory, which was the only place that the Israelites were supposed to worship God. Now, for a new kingdom, you need a new king, and God had selected a man called Jeroboam to be the new king of the northern country of Israel. It's a really big thing to be made a king from nothing, and so to encourage Jeroboam and set him on his way, God gave him a very special promise. He said, If you'll listen to me and do all I command you, following my directions and obeying my orders just like King David did, then I will be with you and build you an enduring house. God himself was promising to bless Jeroboam and give him a lasting legacy if he listened to, followed and obeyed God. But here comes the rub. When time passes and problems occur, and people threaten you, warning you what may happen if you carry on the way you're going, what do you do? Do you stick with what you know God said, or do you listen to the voices around you? What you do under those circumstances says a great deal about what you really think of God. Is he truly your God? Do you really believe he has your best interests at heart and the power to keep his promises, or not? For Jeroboam, it was or not. What he feared wasn't God, but people. He feared they'd turn away from him and back to King Rehoboam, who ruled in the southern kingdom of Judah. He feared that if the people had to keep going back to Jerusalem to worship God, that they'd kill him and return to King Rehoboam. What God had promised Jeroboam had no value to him at all. As dominated by fear, he started making choices that would have devastating consequences. In his own mind, it was the religious practices that were most dangerous. He had to stop the people going to Jerusalem to worship, and the only way he could think of doing that was by setting up his own religion. It was like the real thing, but it wasn't the real thing. He changed the dates of festivals and set up new places for the people to worship God. And he had a couple of statues of golden calves made. Now, it may be that he didn't intend them to be worshipped, because at that time other nations showed their gods riding on the back of bulls as a sign of their strength and prowess. And maybe he made the calves without an image of the real God on them to tell the people that their God was not a God who was seen. But whatever his reasons may have been, those calves, one placed in the city of Dan at the most northern part of his kingdom, and the other at Bethel at the most southern part, became a snare to the people because they started worshipping the golden calves instead of God. So Jeroboam had made his choice. He'd decided not to believe God's promise, working it out for himself instead, and his choice was to have terrible and lasting consequences because the end result of this sin would be the destruction of his own descendants 
and the destruction of the northern kingdom, although he couldn't see it as he busied himself with the creation of his own religion and the setting up of new altars and the appointing of new priests, none of which God wanted. But once you stop believing God and start trusting yourself, what you've said in your heart is, I'm God, I know best, all that matters is what I want, and that always has serious consequences. So Jeroboam ignored what God wanted and built an altar in the southern town of Bethel, appointing anyone who wanted to be a priest to be a priest. He even made himself a priest, offering incense on the altar he'd made. And as Jeroboam offered the incense, something he should never have been doing on an altar that shouldn't even have existed, a man of God arrived from the southern kingdom of Judah, and at that very moment loudly proclaimed God's judgment on all that was happening. O oh, altar, altar, the man of God cried out, this is what God says to you. A descendant of King David will be born called Josiah. He will sacrifice on you, the priests who now make sacrificial offerings here. Human bones shall be burnt on you. And this is a sign to prove what I'm saying is from God. This altar will split into pieces and the ashes on it will spill on the ground. Firstly surprised and then furious, Jeroboam pointed to the man of God who was now prophesying against his altar that it would be defiled with human bones, the bones of the priests he'd appointed. This man of God was saying that all his efforts were worthless, unacceptable to God and wouldn't last. He was beyond rage. Screaming at his guards, he pointed to the man of God, yelling, Seize him! But even as he screamed and pointed, Jeroboam realised something was very wrong as the Lord withered his hand and arm in place so that he couldn't pull his hand back. Then the altar split into pieces as the man of God had said it would, and the ashes from the altar spilled on the ground. God was confirming that everything the man of God had said was true, that God had rejected this altar and the religion Jeroboam was setting up. At the shriveling of his hand and arm, Jeroboam's anger turned to fear, and so when the guards brought the man of God to Jeroboam, he begged him, "'Please pray to the Lord for me that my hand would be healed.' So the man of God pleaded with God for wicked Jeroboam, and in his mercy God restored Jeroboam's hand. As he rubbed his newly restored hand and arm, Jeroboam looked at the man of God, but instead of seeing the God who the man represented and turning back to him, Jeroboam only saw the man and thought how useful a powerful man like him could be to have around. So, Planning to win the man of God's favour, he said, Come home with me and we can eat and drink together and I'll find an appropriate gift for you. But instead of staying, the man of God replied, Even if you were to give me half of your kingdom, I wouldn't go back and eat and drink with you. For the Lord himself has commanded me not to eat food or drink water or return the same way I came. So he left by a different route than the one he'd come by and Jeroboam and the people watched him leave. Now, there lived in Bethel an old prophet. Why he was still in Bethel and why he had anything to do with Jeroboam's new religion, I don't know. I guess it showed that he wasn't really listening to God, that he'd been duped, tricked or conned into thinking that what Jeroboam was doing was okay. Or maybe he just ignored things that made him uncomfortable until, almost without noticing, he was a part of the whole rotten process. But whatever the reason, 
When his sons came home and told him what had happened and about the man of God and what he'd said to the king, something hit the old man hard. Maybe he found himself asking a question he should have asked a long time ago. Maybe he asked himself, is God really condemning all this? Am I really a part of something God doesn't approve of? I need to know. So he asked his sons which way the man of God had gone, and they saddled a donkey for him, and he set out after the man of God. I'm not really sure what the old prophet was thinking when he found the man of God resting under an oak tree. Maybe he needed to confirm in his own mind that the man of God wasn't an imposter. But as he thought about it, his old sinful heart, hardened by years of compromise, could only think of one way to prove it. He was going to lie. Are you the man of God I've heard about? the old prophet asked. And when the man of God confirmed he was, the old prophet said, Come home with me and have something to eat. You may remember that God had told the man of God not to eat or drink water in that place and to go back a different route to the way he'd come. Well, now his obedience to God was going to be tested. Would the man of God show himself to really be a man of God by following God's instructions no matter what anyone said to him? If he obeyed God, then the old prophet would know that everything else he'd said was true. But if the man of God didn't obey, then that would show that he didn't really believe all he'd said and the old prophet would be okay to keep on living as he did. The man of God looked at the old prophet and said, I'm sorry, but God said I can't return with you and neither can I eat and drink with you in this place. And that's when the old prophet narrowed his eyes and delivered his lies. Yes, yes, I quite understand. But you see, I'm a prophet as well and, well, an angel appeared to me and told me to bring you back with me to my house so you can eat and drink with me. The man of God looked at the old prophet as he thought about what he'd said then he started to get up. Okay, he said, showing that God's command wasn't as important to him as it should have been. After all, he continued, if an angel's told you to bring me back, who am I to argue? And instead of trusting God and holding on to his command no matter what anyone else had said to him, the man of God followed the old prophet back to his house and the two of them started to eat and drink together. It was while they were sitting at the table that everything fell apart, for God then spoke to the old prophet. You see, God really had rejected Jeroboam's new religion, and so now, reluctantly, God had to confirm that every word he'd said through the man of God was true. Because if there were no consequences for the man of God when he disobeyed God, then no one would believe any of his message. God had to act, to confirm his own message. The old prophet suddenly stopped eating and, with a shocked look on his face, he looked at the man of God and blurted out God's message of judgment. This is what the Lord says to you. Because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept his command, your body will not be buried in the tomb of your ancestors. The man of God now realised he'd been lied to that he should have obeyed God's command no matter what anyone said to him, even an apparent angel from heaven, but also knowing that now it was too late. They saddled a donkey for him and he set out on the road back home, and as he travelled a lion met him on the road and killed him, throwing his body to the ground. And to show that this was God's doing, 
Both the donkey and the lion stood watch over the body of the man, the lion neither eating the body nor mauling the donkey. And everyone who passed by saw the strange sign and came to the town and told what they'd seen. And when the old prophet heard the news, he realised it was the man of God who disobeyed God's command that the lion had attacked. And he knew once and for all that God really had spoken and rejected everything Jeroboam was doing. So the old prophet had his son saddle him a donkey and he went and got the body of the man of God, still on the road and still being watched by the lion and donkey. And he brought it home, mourned over him and laid him in his own tomb. Then, turning to his sons, the old man showed that he really believed God had spoken and that he didn't want to end up as one of those pile of bones burnt on the altar. Because he told his sons that when he died, he wanted to be buried with the man of God, so that Josiah, when he came and burned the bones of the priests on that sinful altar, wouldn't burn his bones, because Josiah wouldn't want to disturb the tomb of the man of God who'd prophesied this happening so many years before. So, finally, here's one last thought for you. If disobedience cost Jeroboam and the man of God so much... Do you think it'll cost you any less? Listen to what Paul wrote to the Galatians many years later. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaim to you, let that one be accursed. So, learn to listen to God, and when you know he's spoken, obey him, because that's the only route to real and lasting blessing.